the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. When it comes to Jesus, you you are either on his side or against him. Right? Jesus said, you are either for me or you're against me. There's not a third category. There's not a, "I'm, I'm neutral or I'm undecided about Jesus. No, you're either living your life for him or you're living your life against him. Those are the only two categories. You're on one side or the other. Judas at this point is on the other side. He's on the other team now. He's with the enemy. He asks, who are you seeking? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. Have you ever been on the fence about something? You see both sides of the story and you aren't sure which to believe is the truth. Well, in today's message, Pastor Dan will explain how there isn't a middle ground when it comes to your faith. You either believe that the Bible is true or you don't. We all want to do good, but are we doing good for the Lord or for yourself? Pastor Dan will encourage you in today's message to look at the way you're living. Are you living for Jesus? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me I have lost none. Then Simon Peter having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. 
Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. So now we come to the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll be crucified the next day. John includes some details in his gospel that are not found in the other gospels. And there are some details found in the other gospels that are not found in John's gospel. For example, John does not include the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember the story, the other gospel accounts tell us that Jesus entered Gethsemane filled with sorrow and deeply distressed. Luke's gospel says he was in agony as he prayed. He was in emotional anguish. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says, Jesus, anticipating his death on the cross, offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. Loud cries. He's crying out. He's screaming out. So often you see Jesus depicted in Gethsemane, you know, usually kneeling at some rock in Gethsemane, and he's got his hands folded, and he's looking up to heaven. Well, the Gospels tell us he fell on his face, he's face down, and he's screaming out. He's crying out with a loud cry. In agony, in anguish. Again, Luke's account tells us that that he is crying out with such physical intensity. Listen, he's crying out with such physical intensity that he burst the capillaries in his face and he began to sweat drops of blood. So that's the, that's the picture of Jesus praying. Such agony and anguish and intensity that he is sweating drops of blood. These little droplets of blood form on his face. John's Gospel does not include those details for us because John's writing with a very specific purpose in mind. The point John's Gospel shows us is that Jesus was in absolute control on the night of his arrest. He's in control. He's not out of control. He's in control. That's what John wants us to see in this account. Jesus was in control of his circumstances the whole time. He was not defeated by wicked people who wanted to kill him. His life was not tragically cut short. His arrest and crucifixion were not a disaster that could not be avoided. He's not a victim here of of circumstances. He was in absolute control of the situation the entire time, and he never lost control that night. Not for one moment. Jesus was in control the whole time. The events of his arrest and crucifixion, they are all according to God's plan. They're all according to God's plan. Jesus said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. He laid his life down voluntarily for us. He laid his life down voluntarily. It was not taken from him. Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for us. 
He came to give his life as a sacrifice for us. And so the arrest and crucifixion, they were God's plan. They were God's plan to save us from sin. They were God's plan to save us from death. They were God's plan to save us from hell. They were God's plan to save us from separation from God for all eternity. This was always God's plan. From before the foundation of the world, we're told. God knew that we would sin. God knew that we would rebel. God knew that we would go our own way and that we would need to be rescued. And that's why his son came. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. So the plan is, is unfolding here according to God's, God's plan. In Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Peter says, God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. This was God's prearranged plan. For Jesus to be betrayed, arrested, and condemned and crucified and buried and resurrected the third day. It was God's prearranged plan. Now, the religious leaders, they have their plan. Judas has his plan. But God has his plan. And God uses the religious leaders and uses Judas and their plans to fulfill his plan. And they don't even realize it. Jesus was in sovereign control on this evening and in sovereign control over all the events of his death and resurrection. That's what stands out to us in this passage. Look again at verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, remember his wonderful prayer in chapter 17 that we've looked at over the last few weeks. When he had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples out of the city, outside the city walls, over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered into. So Jesus goes out of the city of Jerusalem, out the city walls, probably that eastern gate, and he crosses over the brook Kidron and enters into a garden on the Mount of Olives. The brook Kidron, it it ran through a valley called the Kidron Valley, and this valley ran between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem. The brook Kidron it's actually a dry riverbed most of the year, except in the winter time, which is the rainy season in Israel. It has water flowing through it during the winter times. But the rest of the year, it's a dry riverbed called a wadi. That's what they call them, a wadi. So it's just a dry riverbed that runs through this valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. Now it's Passover. And during the Passover time, Jewish people would sacrifice lambs at the temple in Jerusalem. About 30 years after the time of Jesus, a census was taken, counting the number of lambs that were sacrificed during the Passover. And they determined, so this is just 30 years after Christ, that they sacrificed 256,000 lambs in the temple during the Passover. That's a lot of lambs. And that's a lot of blood. And so because they sacrificed so many lambs during the Passover and other festivals, and it generated so much blood at the temple mount, at the base of the altar of sacrifice in the temple, 
they actually had two drains where the blood would drain off from the Temple Mount. And those drains, they emptied in the Kidron Valley. And so during Passover, the brook Kidron would flow with the blood of all the lambs that were sacrificed in the temple. And we're told here in the text, and I believe this is why the text makes a point to tell us, that Jesus crosses over the brook Kidron. Because at that time, the brook Kidron is flowing with the blood of all the Passover lambs that were sacrificed in the temple. In fact, the name Kidron, it means to be darkened or to become dark because the brook was darkened with the blood of the temple sacrifices. And so get this picture in your mind. Here is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. And he crosses over the brook Kidron with all the blood of all the lambs that were sacrificed flowing through there. And all that blood of all those sacrifices, a river of blood, literally, all of that blood could not take away your sin. The blood of 256,000 lambs is not enough to take away your sins. Only the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, can take away your sins. Amen? That's right. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So Jesus crossed the brook Kidron. And, you know, I wonder as he crossed over, it's it's nighttime, and I wonder if he stopped and just looked at the blood flowing by, thought of his own sacrifice the next day on the cross. And they go into, and they enter into a garden. The other Gospels tell us it, it was Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. The name Gethsemane, it means olive press. The Mount of Olives was covered with olive trees and olive orchards. That's why it's called the Mount of Olives. The whole mountain at that time was covered with olive trees. In the ancient world, olives were very important. They were very valuable. They were, in fact, the the most important fruit produced in Israel. It was its number one export was olive oil. And on the Mount of Olives, they had all of these olive trees, all of these olive orchards, and they also had an olive press where people could bring their harvested olives to process them, to get the olive oil out of them. And so they would press the olives down, and as they press the olives down, the oil would be squeezed out of the olives. And so this is, uh, to me, I think this is a A wonderful illustration of what happened to Jesus in Gethsemane. He is in Gethsemane. He's in the place of crushing. He's in the place of the olive press. And as he's there, the the weight of the sin of the world is put upon him. 
And he's, he's under the pressure of that weight of knowing that the sin of the world will be put upon him when he's on the cross. And as he is under the weight of that, what happens? He begins to sweat drops of blood. Comes out. Right? Just an amazing illustration here. So he goes to this garden. Verse 2 tells us, And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Judas knew where he could find Jesus. He knew he could find him in Gethsemane. That's where Jesus liked to hang out with his disciples. Luke's Gospel tells us during the Passover, Jesus and his disciples stayed the night in Gethsemane. They would sleep each night in Gethsemane. So Judas knew that's where he would be. Then Judas, look what it says in verse 3, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So Judas came with a lot of people to arrest Jesus. Verse 3 says he had a detachment of troops. That would be a detachment of Roman troops. A detachment was one-tenth of a legion, or 600 soldiers. So he's got 600 Roman soldiers with him, plus officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. That, they were the temple police. The temple police were made up of Levites, and they were the police force in the temple. They guarded the various gates at the temple, They patrolled constantly the courts of the temple to ensure nobody was saying anything contrary to the Word of God or teaching anything contrary to the Word of God in the courts of the temple or bringing anything inappropriate into the temple courts. And so they patrolled the temple courts to kind of enforce the rules and make sure, you know, everything is as it should be. And I, I point that out because in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's account of the arrest. In Matthew's Gospel, when they came to arrest Jesus, Jesus said to them, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. He says that to the temple police. Every day I was teaching in the temple. You didn't have any problem with what I was saying then. You didn't arrest me then and now you've come out with clubs and swords to arrest me by night. And so the religious leaders, they they sent an army of men to arrest Jesus. 600 Roman soldiers, plus however many temple police officers that came on. You know, it could be 700, 800, maybe maybe more people that have come to arrest Jesus. To arrest one man, a carpenter from Galilee. And why did they send so many? Well, here's a couple possibilities. First of all, Uh, They tried to arrest Jesus before, and they were unsuccessful. He's escaped from them, you know, just kind of walked through the crowd and left. And so maybe this time they brought backup. So there's no way he's getting away this time. Or, another possibility, they were concerned that arresting Jesus would cause a revolt among the Jewish people. They they discussed that earlier in the Gospel of John. They're concerned of trying to arrest him publicly will cause all of the people in Jerusalem at that time to rebel. Remember, Remember just a week before, the Sunday before, he made his triumphal entry 
And the whole city went out to greet him and welcome him as the king of Israel. And so their concern that this might get out of control, uh, the crowd might get out of control if they see Jesus arrested. And so they send this huge number of troops to arrest him. Troops that came with lanterns and torches and weapons. Now again, whenever you read a detail like that in the Bible, you want to ask yourself, why is he putting that detail there? Why do I need to know that? Well, it's Passover time. During Passover, there's a full moon. So there's, there's plenty of light at night to see during the Passover. The lanterns and the torches aren't really necessary. So why did they bring them? Well, they may have thought that Jesus would try to escape or that he might try to hide and that they would have to hunt for him and look for him. And They're anticipating a manhunt. And so they're bringing lanterns with them. They're bringing torches with them so they can find him and search him out. So they come, you know, more than 600 soldiers and troops. They've got their lanterns. They've got their torches. They come to Gethsemane, and look at verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Jesus knew all things. He knew all that was coming. He knew that they would arrest him. He knew that they would condemn him to die. They knew, he knew they would, they would take him to Pilate the next morning. He knew that he would be crucified on a cross. And he, and, and he just steps forward here and offers himself. He didn't try to flee. He didn't try to hide. He just went out and offered himself to them voluntarily. He's in full control. He's not running. He's not trying to escape. He's, he, I, this is amazing. He just steps up. And offers himself voluntarily. Who are you looking for? Isn't that amazing? He's in full control of this whole thing. Again, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Judas stood with the soldiers. Judas belonged to the enemies of Jesus. He no longer belongs to Jesus. He belongs to the enemies of Jesus. He's on the other side now. When it comes to Jesus, you you are either on his side or against him. Right? Jesus said, you are either for me or you're against me. There's not a third category. There's not a, I'm I'm neutral or I'm undecided about Jesus. No, you're either living your life for him, or you're living your life against him. Those are the only two categories. You're on one side or the other. Judas, at this point, is on the other side. He's on the other team now. He's with the enemy. He asks, who are you seeking? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. Look at verse 6. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, more than 600 soldiers, they've got lanterns, they've got torches, they've got weapons, swords and clubs. And Jesus steps forward and says, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He asked me how I know. 
Today you've been hearing from Pastor Dan about the book of John, one of the four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This gospel book details the Son of God's time on earth, what He did, and how He changed lives. It also gives you an opportunity to have a changed life as well. Are you ready to give your life to Christ and be forgiven of your sins? We'd love to tell you more about this and pray with you if you're ready to take a step of faith. Give us a call here at Ring of Truth. Our number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin attending a church regularly. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. To find out more about what you can expect and to get directions and service times, please visit our website, calvaryec.com. At our website, you can also enjoy more of Pastor Dan Sexton's teachings from the Gospel of John or explore his other message series. Again, that website is calvaryec.com. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to Ring of Truth. Rings true.